presenting sponsor of the My Hockey Live podcast is Sullivan Tire. Bob Sullivan started Sullivan Tire and Auto Service in 1955 with the aspirations to have a company that treated customers and employees like a member of the family. For over 60 years, we are still a family-owned business and we continue on with this value. We've continued to grow and serve customers throughout New England. Our business consists of neighborhood auto service facilities, commercial truck centers, retread manufacturing facilities, a wholesale division, and a small company that install vehicle lifts, all serving the customer the way Bob Sullivan would have wanted. At Sullivan Tire and Auto Service, each and every person who walks through our door is important. No job is too small and no customer request too big. We will give you prompt, efficient, and quality work provided by highly trained professionals using state-of-the-art equipment. We strive to differentiate ourselves by offering exceptional service, brand-name tires and parts, and the best-trained staff in the industry. With locations throughout New England, go to SullivanTire.com. We're always here to get you there. Welcome to the My Hockey Life Podcast. This is Brandon Hall, joined alongside by Jake Levin down here at the Falmouth Ice Arena in lovely Falmouth, Massachusetts. A foggy Falmouth, Massachusetts today. Jake, welcome aboard. Brandon, it was about 25 degrees warmer at my home base, and I wore a polo shirt today thinking, oh, it'll be nice. It'll be essentially summer at the rink. And I get down here, and it's still not bad by mid-February standards. Sure. 47 degrees, but when you're dressed for, you know early May conditions, it was a, it was an unfortunate turn of events. This was a chilly wake-up call for me. Yep. Uh, coming down over the bridge, I get to about Wareham and noticed uh, things started to get a little foggy, and then all of a sudden by the time I got to the bridge, I didn't see it, and I was on it. <laughs> so uh, that's about where we're at right now. It was a 20-degree difference for me from uh, Easton Mass to, to here. Uh, so we're at the Buddy Ferrer Classic. We're here for the Constellation Games. Uh, we've got two games today. Yes. Uh, another two games, the uh, first place and third place games are tomorrow. So the first and fifth are tomorrow. First and fifth are tomorrow, okay. It's just the way they work, and I always am tricked into thinking it's first and third on Thursday, but no, they break it up for whatever reason. It's seventh and third today and first and fifth. Fair tomorrow. enough. So we've got... Uh, Today, who are our matchups today? So we got Duxbury, Ireland, and Catholic in the seventh place game, and we've got Falmouth and Austin Prep in the third place game. And statewide ramifications, I wouldn't say there are a ton today, with the exception of Austin Prep. A loss for Austin Prep would give them eight losses. And not that eight losses is some sort of magic number in which you are all of a sudden eliminated from the Super 8 conversation, mm-hmm. but they're already walking that line pretty finely at 12, sure. 7, and 1 with sure. some good wins. And, of course, they have a great uh, strength of schedule, the number 11 strength of schedule in the state playing out of the Catholic Central League. Who were their big marquee wins against? That's what it's starting to become a question of. And this is a very good Falmouth team. But it's the kind of team that Austin Prep should be if they want to be among the Super 8 or at the very least one of the four play-in teams as mm-hmm. they were a year ago. They lose today. I think they're out entirely, and they're going to the D1 North. So for me, as a, as a former coach, I was never part of the Selection 8 process, yes. uh, Super 8 selection process. But for me, looking at from the as an outside observer, I coached D3, I never thought that a team that had maybe four or five losses, more than five losses, should be in the conversation personally. Now, that's just my own opinion. Um, but in looking at the Division One Super 8 tournament, and these are rankings as of two days ago from Jim Clark's In the Slot blog, um, you've got a team like Hingham uh, in there with four, St. John's with five, uh, Arlington with four, 
Austin Prep with with seven now, um, and Andover with five. So those are the loss counts for some of these teams. Are there any car, are there any teams that are not part of the wild card, according to Jim Jim Clark, that you would think could sneak in there? Well, the name or the team, I guess you're going to hear tossed around a lot is Wellesley. Mm-hmm. And Wellesley, very good record, of course, 14-2-3. They play in a good league, the Bay State Conference. Sure. Uh, a down year, I would say. What Wellesley has going for it is that, A, they won their division, the Hergit division. And obviously, if you win your division, you are looked favorably upon by the committee. Yep. This is the same division that Walpole ran roughshod over last year when they were 19-0-1. The difference between Walpole and Wellesley, though, is that Walpole, A, of course, didn't have any losses. Wellesley has two. Walpole's goal differential was up around plus 100 or so. Wellesley's is down in about the plus 40 or so range, and obviously mm-hmm. that's still great, and that should make them the favorites in Division One South. Do they feel like a Super 8 team? I just don't know who the marquee wins against. But then you talk yourself out of Wellesley, and who can you really convince yourself deserves a shot over the Raiders? And it's hard to do right now. Sure. After, once you get beyond the top four, which I think we know is set, BC High, Central Catholic, St. John's Prep, and... Uh, potentially Pope Francis, at least. Or Hingham, hang potentially. Well, then you get into the the five and the six spot, and I think that's Hingham and Burlington. I don't think there's any question, assuming they hold serve. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hingham tomorrow against Archie's, and Burlington tomorrow, I believe, against Framingham. Burlington, that would get them to 19 wins. Hingham would get them only to 12, but again, we're talking about Hingham in the number six strength of schedule in the state. Uh, better than several Catholic conference teams, for that matter. Hingham has wins over Burlington, a win over a team like, pardon me, a St. John Shrewsbury, a win over an Andover, other teams that are vying for those last two spots. Right, and as a division, and as a Division One independent, they're able to pick their schedule, so they're able to uh, handpick the the exact opponents they want. They can pick the strength of their own schedule before the season starts, thinking that you know they're gonna they, they think they have a super eight caliber team they can go out and pull uh you know particular teams into their schedule they're not playing in the patriot league uh, so they're able to do that well, it's, uh, it's amazing uh two seasons ago um Hingham was dropped by norwood and uh coil and cassidy from the schedule it was understandable because mm-hmm. you know norwood was in a down cycle and coil cassidy is now a division two team so what did Hingham go out and do they added burlington and braintree to an already loaded schedule, which yeah. they play virtually every Catholic conference team, uh, numerous uh, Catholic central teams, and then some of the other very best publics around, whether it's Marshfield, whether it's Duxbury, Arlington, et cetera, et cetera. And those kids are putting a lot of miles in, too, on the bus. And you think about that, a trip from Hingham to Burlington is not an easy one. No. Uh, to, pick up, to pick up Braintree was a coup uh, of sorts because of the, <laughs> the bus ride alone, uh, to have Braintree right around the corner to, to play them. Um, I think of the group in the top in the in the top ten here for the Super Eight. I think two stories stand out to me. Number one is the Central Catholic team that's eighteen one and zero at this point. Um, Correct. And and having them pretty much lock up the number one seed. To, to as far as I'm concerned, they've locked up the number one seed. They've you know they nearly ran the table. They they ran into a very hot Waltham team, um, and we covered that in the last podcast. I think they're the number one, and it's a great story um, for, for what they've done. The other one that I think is a terrific story, and this 
at first glance may not seem like it, but is Andover of course, at the number New 10. Year going there. Yeah, and you know what what Chris Kucher and his his coaching staff has gone through. Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try and temper this as much as I possibly can, um, and not get too emotional about it, but what he and his coaching staff went through and what his players had to go through and the accusations that flew around and the investigation by uh, DCF and by the school and by an outside council and all this other stuff to be able to still play hockey games through all of that, those distractions and still keep up the schedule they had and continue to win hockey games is remarkable. On several fronts. Um, a lot of character in that locker room. Ton, That's what that shows me. A ton of character in that locker room. And I don't know Chris personally. We know him, you know, uh, we've run into each other a few times at some coaching things and said hello. But for, for him and his staff to be able to get through what they got through, have the JV coach take over and run the team for as many weeks as that investigation was going on, and to come back and still be successful – it shows a lot in the character of those players, uh, of that coaching staff, um, and to have to go through the things that they went through. I really hope for them that they get into this tournament um, and, and that they're kind of an emotional favorite for a lot of people. Uh, and to get the support that they've gotten from everyone across the state, from, from hockey scribes to uh, the president of the Coaches Association, um, it's, been, it's been remarkable. Right on. And it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately situation. It's better to have your big wins come in February than in December, I would say. And uh, because of the situation involving Coach Kucher, they mm-hmm. had to postpone at least a few of their games. I know they had to postpone the Hingham game, for example. Yep. Yep. So starting on last February the 14th, a week ago today from this taping, they played five games in seven days. That's insane. And Acton Boxborough, throw them out. These teams were Hingham. Waltham, Arlington, and St. John's of Shrewsbury. Wow. Those are four, the final four teams, uh, Super 8 hopefuls or locks, and they go 3-1 and one in that stretch. They lost to Hingham, which is fine because, as we said, Hingham is, at worst, your number five seed right now, we think, in the Super 8. They beat Waltham 1 to nothing. They beat Arlington 2 to nothing, which really um, raised some eyebrows, I think. And then they beat St. John's Shrewsbury 3-1. to one. Those are three straight wins against three teams that will be comparing themselves to Andover on Saturday. And I think Andover, at this point, assuming they hold serve, uh, it would be, I guess, Friday night now. They play Newburyport. They're a lock to get a play-in game, in my opinion. I agree. Uh, and and they're, playing, um, they're playing with good emotion. Um, they've circled the wagons and – it's, it's fun to watch when teams get locked in like that, and you never know what kind of run they could make. Um, so it'll be interesting to see that. Moving on to Division II, um, the, the, really with Division II, it's, uh, it's about the North um, and, and the haves in the North and the have-nots in the South. Um, the top-rated South team, to my knowledge, is Canton, who is very strong. But then after that, you're looking at Situate, Plymouth, South, Westwood, um, and you know, Plymouth South coming off an impressive win down at Hetland, uh, where they defeated Rockland, and they also defeated, I think it was Dartmouth, um, to win uh, to win the tournament down there, their vacation tournament um, in overtime over Rockland. Um, really impressive win for them. Situate uh, is playing for the Gould Tournament Championship today against uh, Norwell, um, and there's always an emotional rivalry there. Uh and, you know, Canton is got Medfield, uh, had Medfield, and then is either got Boston Latin or Coyle and Cassidy today. I'm not sure I haven't uh, checked that schedule. But as far as Division Two goes, in my opinion, it's, it's all in the north, uh, and then you get a couple contenders in the south. 
I'm a little better versed in the South, obviously. That's mm-hmm. where my uh, my bread is buttered, if you will. We got to talk about the number 16 seed in the South tournament. <laughs> yeah. And it's going to be the Norwood Mustangs who got in via the Sullivan rule. Uh, they had a winning record against mm-hmm. Division two and three opponents based on playing a predominantly D1 schedule. They were 7, 8, and 5 this year. And you look at that and you say, okay, not bad, whatever. Uh, they had a positive goal differential, barely, but nevertheless 48 to 41. And I'm going to take both a micro and a macro look at this. Two years ago, they were 0-19-1. Mm. Uh, they were still a Division One team at that point, lowest-rated RPI. They gave up more than 100 goals than they scored. It was just – it was a bad situation. Mm-hmm. Less than two years later, they're a tournament team, an illegitimate tournament team despite getting in via the Sullivan rule. They have some good D1 wins against teams like Needham, uh, some good D1 ties against Wellesley, who – just might be in the Super 8, and they might be playing a team in the number one spot, Southeastern West Bridgewater, yep. who has had a great season yet again yep. out of the Mayflower yep, League. They dominated, won, yep, they dominated the Mayflower League. Two again. years in a row, and they got bumped up from Division three to Division two. And I'm just thinking, how is it fair that that is going to be the round one matchup between Norwood and Southeastern West Bridgewater? Because if you were to power seed those teams, mm-hmm. Norwood would be – so far ahead of 16 in Southeastern, I mean this with all due respect, would not be the number one seed. Probably wouldn't be two or three either. Right. It would be Canton, Plymouth South. I guess that maybe Situate would be your three. And it depends what kind and, of— And Westwood's in there too, sure. right? Yep. Absolutely. And it's just unfortunate that that's the kind of situation that happens. And, hey, maybe Southeastern plays the game of their lives and they do stun Norwood. And this isn't even a given yet that this is going to happen because— Canton, with a win tonight, I believe could pass Southeastern potentially. And then Canton, that's going to be a very difficult game for the Mustangs, I think. Not impossible, but difficult. More what you would expect from a 1-16 matchup. If there were ever a scenario that called for power seeding, though, it's what I think you're going to see in the Division Two South because if the matchups fall the way they can for Norwood on that side of the 1-4 rather than the 2-3, it would not stun me to see them make a little run in the Division Two South. And I'm not saying they're going to win the bracket, but win multiple games and be playing a couple weeks from now at Gallo. Interesting thought. Uh, and moving on to Division Three, the South, as opposed to Division Two, the South is stacked in Division Three. You've got Hanover, who just finished an unbeaten season today at 19-0-1 with a 10-1 win over Cohasset today. Uh, you've got Hopkinton at number two as the Tri-Valley League champ. You've got Rockland at number three, who were the uh, South Shore League champ. You've got Norwell, who finished second in the South Shore League. You've got Coyle Cassidy, Dartmouth, Holliston, and Bishop Stang. That's the D3 South. <laughs> That's the top of the D3 South. So, uh, you know, you take any one of any four of those teams and you're looking at the semifinals of the Division Three South, unless something unless something crazy happens and one of these guys gets toppled, because, uh, you know, that's the great thing about the one-off, you know, uh, Cinderella dance. You get uh, some team that gets on a streak and wins an overtime game and then rolls it into two or three more wins. Um, but Hanover's the top of the pack, and then it's everybody else. Um what are your thoughts on that? That Hanover should be at least a Division Two team, <laughs> first things first. And I think they would also be 19-0-1 if they were in Division Two. At, at worst, they'd be, I don't know, 17 wins. They'd be playing more or less the same schedule out mm-hmm. of the Patriot League. And they beat Division One teams regularly now. That I think they've beaten Duxbury at least two years in a row, uh, possibly more. 
And I guess this is one fortunate instance where there's no power seeding because they are the one seed regardless of it. And great, they would be even with the power sure. seeding. I would still like to see Rockland be the two. Although if they're the two or the three, it won't really matter because that will still be in play of the Hanover-Rockland uh, matchup in the D3 South Final. That's what I want to see. Right. I don't want to go crowning them yet because there are some other good teams you mentioned. Norwell, Hopkinton, Holliston. Um, continuing on Mm -hmm. I wonder if Hanover competed as a division one team and I'm not talking super eight per se I'm talking in the division one south tournament could Hanover compete with your brain trees your Falmouths your Zavarians your schools like that that's a that's a great what if for me and I think Rockland in a given year this being one of them would also be an intriguing candidate what do, you, what do you think of that? I think Hanover would compete. Um, I'm not sure how deep they would go. I, I know that they would compete. Uh, they have depth, and that's where like them against other Division three teams is the difference, is their depth. Um, you know, Four lines. Right, yeah. I mean, four strong lines. They're not rolling out. You know, it, most Division three teams have got two, line, two, two good lines. Yes. Uh, you know, the top Division three teams have two really good lines. You know, 20-plus points. Um, you know, of the top six forwards they've got, they're, they're all 20-point scorers. Uh, you need, like, a, a couple of point-a-game guys to, to be a tournament team. To be a really good tournament team, you need, like, six point-a-game guys. Um, with Hanover, uh, I, I see they could they definitely compete in Division Two. absolutely no problem. Division One, they'll make some noise, um, but they'll run into some of those bigger teams that – that would be bigger in terms of roster size. I, uh, bigger in terms of like I think in physicality. I don't know that Hanover has the size necessarily that like a uh, you know ha- having seen Zavarian several times this year. Um, I don't know that their team is that size. Um, they're usually Hanover's usually a smaller, faster team, and it's it's funny because it's not like they're recruited that way. Right. Um, it's just a bunch of kids that grew up in Hanover that happen to be really good at hockey every single year. Um, you know, you you beat Hanover, you keep the puck, uh, that kind of thing. The uh, boy, I don't know. Coach Abin does a great job there every year. They're strong, they're deep. They've got a ton of goalies in that program, and they just kind of there's never they don't have any down years. They're down. Their down year was their down year was the South Semis last year. <laughs> he just picked up the hundredth win of his career in less than six full seasons. I think that's correct. Yeah, you yeah. do the math. That's a tick under twenty wins a season. Yeah, it's it, it was either six or seven seasons, but he, I mean it's it's ridiculous that the level of success that they've had and they've they've bounced between two and three over the course of the last fifteen years. Uh, it, and it's you know it has in, nothing to do with them having a down year record wise. It's all based on enrollment. Sure. I understand you can appeal up. You can appeal down too as well. Yeah, right. you, you can appeal up or down. Um, you know, depending upon enrollment. You, you know, like a, a team like uh, like when we were at Silver Lake, we had a chance to move up to Division Two and we de- declined uh, because our our hockey numbers just weren't there. Right. Um, you so, look at this list. I'm looking at the D3 list now. Dartmouth in Attleboro. Well over 16, 1,700 mm-hmm. students. They compete at the Division three level. Hanover's probably around 800 students. Yep. Norwell, probably six or 700 right, students. Right, and Situate's six or 700 right. as well, and they're playing two. It's fascinating the I will, way it works out. Yeah, I will tell you against Dartmouth, we, we played Dartmouth in a tournament game, and they, they rolled. They had two lines. They were playing two lines, three defensemen. Um, and they had maybe four or five subs on the bench. They didn't have three full lines that they were playing, and they gave us everything we could handle. It's surprising because yeah. they, uh, 
two years ago, I think it was, they were unbeaten heading into the tournament. And last year, they had another nice little run as well. Uh, Scott Chirac was his name. He had 80 points, I want to say, mm. both his junior and senior seasons. And they're, I'm just drawing a blank on some of the other kids. But they were uh, a remarkable team to watch. And it just surprises me, though, based on the size of Dartmouth High, that they're Division Three team. Yeah, it, it certainly is. Um, looking at some other things, you know, as far as the rest of the season goes, we're rolling into, you know, teams with, say, a game left. Um, you know, we're looking at the cutoff date being, I believe it's Friday. Uh, the cutoff date, all games need to be completed by Friday. So every makeup game or regularly scheduled game needs to be finished by Friday. Um, the tournament selection happens on Saturday. The coaches are going to meet and they're going to make their Super 8 selections uh, and they'll make their nominations for who they believe the Super 8 should be. Then the state will meet at the MIA offices in Franklin, and they will discuss uh, who they think should be in the Super 8. Uh, and then the rest of the seeding happens from there with Division 1, um, 2, and 3. And then let's not forget the uh, D3 Central and D3 West that also needs to happen. And they've got a little bit of a funky situation there in D3. They actually power seed out. You know, west of 495. What a, what a novel concept. Imagine that. Yeah. Uh, they must be reading your newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, Shrewsbury is an example. And now, granted, they're a bigger town with a bigger school, and they're close enough to Eastern Mass. I mean, I think they border Framingham alone. Why are they competing in a Division Three tournament at that size, regardless of their location? I mean, Pope Francis, they compete in Division One South, technically, even though they're out in Springfield. Uh, St. John Shrewsbury is another one that is technically Central Mass, and yet they're in the North. St. Peter Marion and Worcester mm-hmm. is another. Why can't you make exceptions for these clearly bigger schools that would do quite well, I think, in in North or South tournament uh, over on the east side here? Yeah, I, I'm kind of at a loss on that one. Um, that's sort of the the, the fun MIA uh, Good Times Committee will uh, get together and, and throw a wrench in every once in a while, and we've you know we get something goofy like that. Um, just uh, stepping away from high school hockey here, ever so briefly, the uh, the Olympics, the semifinals are set in the Olympics. Uh, Team Canada with a pretty impressive one nothing win over Norway. Uh, the Czech Republic. Defeats the United States last night in the uh, in a shootout, which um, you know, as a hockey purist, I despise. Um, what are your What are your thoughts now moving forward? We got the Olympic athletes of Russia as well, and uh, our final team in the four is I'm drawing a blank. Well, Brennan, I got to be honest with you. I've watched maybe five minutes of the Olympic hockey tournament, and that is more because I've been down here in Falmouth at the Buddy Ferrer Classic, or up in Norwood, uh, covering the Mustangs, or at rinks here, there, and everywhere. I have an idea. Play hockey in the Olympics in the summer. Interesting. Why not? Basketball is technically a winter sport. They send their NBA players over there in the summer. You know, hockey, yeah, you can't have ice naturally outside in these places, but they just had an outdoor game in Los Angeles, and last I checked, the Stanley Cup playoff games in places such as Nashville or L.A. or Tampa Bay mm-hmm. are played well into May, June even. Sure. In some cases, why can't you do it in July and August? What's the difference? I, yeah, it's a good question. It's a team. A lot of team sports. Um, I, I like the team sports. It's the only team sport in in the Winter Olympics, to my knowledge. Uh, I mean, aside from the smaller 
you know, curling teams and, you know, speed skating teams like that. It was a larger team sport. Um, so the final team is Germany in the bracket. I apologize. So it's Germany versus Canada. And that's uh, that matchup is Friday um, at uh, let's see. I got to do some math here. I think that'll be nine o'clock. Um, and then the Czech Republic versus the Olympic athletes of Russia. We've got a uh, historical battle there. The historic uh, that the the Russians and the Czechs don't necessarily get along so well, dating back to uh, the 1968 revolution there. And there's my history teacher uh, <laughs> catching up with everybody. That'll be a 4:40 start. Um, okay, thanks. So we're getting the call to take off here. Uh, Jake's got an interview next up with Coach Paul Moore of Falmouth. Um, this is the My Hockey Life podcast uh, down from the Buddy Ferreira Classic. Uh, stay tuned for Jake's interview with Paul Moore. The My Hockey Live podcast is brought to you by the Department of Conservation and Recreation. Lifeguards are professional rescuers, trained to help prevent injuries and respond in an emergency to help save a life. As part of a team, lifeguards must work together to calmly and efficiently manage crisis situations. With a commitment to water safety, the Department of Conservation and Recreation is in need of certified lifeguards and head lifeguards to work at our many pools, as well as our inland and ocean beaches. If you think you've got what it takes to work as part of our lifeguard team, check out the information on our website at MassLifeguard.com. The Department of Conservation and Recreation is actively recruiting candidates to fill summer lifeguard jobs. If you're a qualified swimmer and are interested in applying for a summer lifeguard position, this is a great opportunity to do what you love. For more information or to apply, go to MassLifeGuard.com. This portion of the My Hockey Live podcast is brought to you by Full Spectrum Benefits. Our goal is to deliver benefits differently. We do, and we will continue to do so. We are intensely focused on our clients, and we challenge ourselves to provide our clients with the insights necessary to make critical business decisions. We provide strategic guidance from an independent and unbiased perspective, working with you as a consultant, as your broker, or in collaboration with your broker. Our team works as an extension of your HR and financial team to get a thorough understanding of your business models, internal processes, objectives, daily realities, unique attributes, and preferences. Only then can we deliver a customized approach to build a sustainable employee benefits program that enables you to be a leading employer in the new landscape. Full Spectrum Benefits. Contact us at 844-704-4644 or our website, fullspectrumbenefits.com. here with Paul Moore, head coach of the Falmouth Clippers, now in his fifth season as head coach of the Clippers. Spent the first 24 seasons of his coaching career as an assistant to Buddy Ferreira, of which this tournament is named, this great tournament, the Buddy Ferreira Classic, now in its 21st season, uh, from what I gather? 21 years. 21 years. Wow, old enough to go out to the club now. Unbelievable how far it has come. So, Falmouth in the midst of a very good season, 13-3-3. You guys have uh, long since surpassed your win total from a season ago, I believe, last several seasons it's been. Uh, so let's talk about the Clippers for a second. What do you think has been the biggest difference this year after losing 15 seniors from a Yeah, we lost a lot ago. of kids. I think that um, to put my finger on it, it's the leadership and the chemistry in the locker room. Um, I won't sit here and tell you we're the most talented team, but we work hard. The kids are buying in. They listen. They're buying what we're selling. And um, it's paid off for them. They've worked hard and they're in a great position right now to get a good seed in the Division South, uh, Division One South. So you just mentioned the Division One South. 
Does Falmouth have any chance at the Super 8, do you think? And if the committee came calling, what would your response be? You're on the committee, I believe, as well. Yeah, so. I'm on the committee, but I don't have that kind of vote. But, oh, hey, it would be a privilege to get uh, named with uh, that group of teams. Um, would we come? Oh, yeah, we'd love a play-in game. The, uh, this, you're playing with house money when you go to those playing games, right. so you, your season doesn't end right away no matter what happens. But, you know, I, I, we, we're, we're comfortable where we're at. There's some really good teams. Um, you know, there's some good teams in the South this year, as in the North. But the South is going to be very interesting because of some of the teams that are fighting right now to even make it. Um, and it's a lot of good teams. It's, uh, Catholic Memorial still hasn't clinched its uh, postseason berth. You could see some drop-downs from the Super 8, whether that a team like Hingham, if they're in a play-in or not. Uh, Zavarian, they play that Catholic Conference schedule. They're going to be a tough out. Framingham, despite having a losing record, they won the carry division, and uh, they won the whole tournament, Division One South tournament, a season ago. You know, CM, Framingham, Braintree. Braintree's another. There's, there's a lot of good teams that uh, their records aren't reflective of the, the type of teams they are. So, And they're all well-coached teams, and so you'll know they'll be ready to go. And, and we have a tough one tonight because um, Archie's needs... They, they need, need five out of six, five, five points. Six. So, so they need to go 2-0-1 at worst right. down here. So we expect to see the best Archie's team that's, that's going to be out there, and uh, I'm sure it's going to be a good game. So let's talk about the Classic a little bit now, Paul. And it's in its 21st season. It's been through many different forms. This is the same way it's been for three years now when Reading replaced Waltham, and I know the matchups are generally determined uh, months out, really, when the regular season schedules drop in September, October, whenever they may be. Uh, do you think that's a kind of format that's going to stick around, or we might see some some juggling of the matchups a little bit? I think there's been a lot of talk uh, today, as a matter of fact, about how we're going to move forward, and uh, all the teams that are coming down would, are interested in doing a power seating. So that'll be fun. It'll, it'll put a little twist to it, and... Um, you know, hopefully on Thursday of this week, the, you know, the two best teams will be uh, will be playing in the future. So, uh, and I think it's that'll be fun to do that too, to make it a power seating, and um, you know, it'll it'll mix it up a little bit. So my next question is, if you can power seed for this, why can't we power seed for the whole tournament, the Division uh, One South, the uh, Division Two North, the whatever? Yeah, that's not that's a question for a higher uh, above my pay grade, but I know the coaches association would love to see a power seating uh, in Division One to all, all the divisions. I, I believe the women do it, um, and the high seeds get home games. But, yeah, I mean, we'd love to see that. But um, We would, too. Yeah. <laughs> the it media, would, we would yeah. love it. <laughs> it, would make it, in, it would make it interesting. And I, I would like to see that uh, hopefully one day the MIA could see that and maybe make that change. Making progress, it seems like, on some rule changes that the Coaches Association has wanted. We have the full penalty time now, the two-minute minors, five-minute majors, ten-minute misconducts. What do you think the next step is? Do you think it is going to be power seeding? Do you think we might see 17-minute periods coming up? You know, there's a lot of debate as to the 17-minute period, and I think that uh, the administrators struggle with time. Sure. Getting a, getting a, uh, in that window, getting 17-minute penalties, you're adding six minutes to the game, um, and I think they worry about that. I think they worry about costs, which is legitimate. But I would say that if there was a, a good protocol, um, game management as far as when the teams get on the ice, how long the warm-up is, uh, no introductions of starting lineups. At the beginning of the second, third period, you got to go right to your bench, no skating around. I think you could shave. The, I think you could find the six minutes right there and get all these games in a six, in a two-hour window. 
Um, so I think I, hopefully the next thing to come for high school hockey in Massachusetts is the 17-minute period because when you add that two-minute penalty, that takes some time off the game. And you, it certainly you, does. You get, it's, um, and it's great because you have to have more than one PK. That's good. You have to have more than one power play. It's a two-minute power Better play. Better developing you're, players you're, you're and developing, different skills. Exactly. You're developing more players, exactly. So that, that's the benefit to it. And I think um, the 17-minute periods at the Federation uh, allows you to play is, is a great idea. Over the course of a full season, that would be the equivalent of two and two-thirds extra games on a regular 20-game schedule. And I know a lot of schools already play. I know Falmouth plays 22 right. as it is. So that, I just think it would be a great step to continue to improve this great game. Well, that's what, that's what it's all about, trying to make it better. And sure, we're a competitive environment in Massachusetts, very, very competitive. Whether it's the prep schools, the juniors, full-season midgets, it's, um, it's something we ought to consider and hopefully always going to strive to just be the best we can be at the high school level. Absolutely. All right. He's Paul Moore. Paul, thank you so much for joining thank us. You, Jim. As always, we'll get you back up in the booth before this week is out and uh, hopefully on the call some games in the uh, postseason. I'd love to and do assuming it. Assuming you're not too busy with your own team making a deep hopefully, run. Hopefully we're still playing. That, yeah. that takes precedent, of course. Yeah. All right, Paul, thank you. We'll be back second period. Reading, Ireland, and Catholic uh, coming up in about uh, two or three minutes here. That'll do it for this week's episode of the My Hockey Live podcast. I'd like to thank Jake Levin, of course, for co-hosting this week's episode and for his interview with Paul Moore. Check out our work coming up next week as we cover we begin the coverage of the MIA State Tournament uh, for February vacation. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. All right, that'll do it on the My Hockey Live podcast. Subscribe and like on iTunes. Thanks, everyone.